wherever in the world you are. Welcome to the Health Zone Show with Michal O'Mahuna, where with each episode I explore interesting health and well-being topics with a thought-provoking guest. These topics can range from nutrition, relationships, spirituality, finance, creativity, mental health and much, much more, so that you can live a healthier, happier and more authentic life. Guests on the show vary from health experts, spiritual teachers, finance wizards, sports legends, to ordinary people with extraordinary lives. Find us on facebook.com forward slash The Health Zone Show, or you can also join our Facebook group, The Health Zoners. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, Pain Interest under The Health Zone. Check out our new updated website, www.thehealthzoneshow.com. And at the moment, you can receive a free copy of my latest ebook, Seven Ways to Boost Your Overall Well Being When You Join the Health Zone. Today I'm talking with Sri Muji. He's a disciple of Papaji, a devotee of Advaita, and a non dual master of Rama Maharishi. Hello, Muji. How are you today? I am real good. Thank you. Good, good. That's fantastic. So tell me, how did you end up doing this work? <laughs> um, well, uh, you know, I'd have to admit that uh, it was not, um, I didn't set out to do it um, in that way. <clears throat> Although, um, uh, as, as you, as you dis- discover more and more of the truth, there's a natural uh, urge to want to share what you have discovered because it feels so powerful, so genuine, so liberating, see? But uh, to to be in the position that I am now, that had not really occurred to me and was not my intention as such. What had happened is that um, it all started in 1987 when I met uh, a young Christian man who, um, who uh, I felt a, a beautiful connection to him uh, in a very, very quick way, a very quick way. Uh, we just met, but I liked his manner. He was not a pushy kind of character. And we met around the subject of art, actually, because I was making stained glass in those days, and he was also a stained glass artist, amongst other things. So it started off in a very, very mutually casual uh, way, but it quickly developed into a more deeper um, exploration into um uh, the the search for truth and for God and so on and he declared from the beginning that he was a Christian, which is um, I'm familiar with because I'm brought up in a Christian country. Jamaica is a Christian country, but uh, shortly after meeting him, I asked him to pray for me. I was so comfortable with him, and then he he offered. He said, "Well, why not now?" And I I accepted his prayer. But at the end of his praying for me. I myself found that I'm asking also from with my own lips, um, you know, please help me uh, to find what is true. And I say this to you because that that was the trigger or, or the, the turning point for me in my life. Because thereafter, a great peace came uh, into my being, and it has remained ever since. In fact, and that was 1987. Uh, it it d- doesn't mean that in an instant I became an awakened being. But certainly, something had broken through uh, some kind of uh, container of the idea I have of who I am. 
and uh, it was so it was so compelling so so beautiful that i really just 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 offered my whole existence to that and that i call god so it started off like that in 1987 and then in 1993 circumstances turned out that i i had a, i had this urge to go to india i did not study anything about india nor did i know about indian religion of such but uh, some urge was there to go to India because I'd read a book by a great Indian saint called Sri um, uh, Ramakrishna Paramahamsa, who lived in a place, uh, uh, Calcutta, in India. But he had passed away. But I was so familiar, um, or, or felt I was so familiar with his, his, his background as a great master, that I wanted to visit his place. And that was the motivation and the incentive for me to want to go to India. And, and so life turned out that I could make that trip, and I went to India. And when I arrived in India, by a stroke of some great um, auspiciousness, I ended up meeting uh, Sri Punja, otherwise known as Papaji. And through Papaji, um, some very important changes took place for me. So that's how it started, and that uh, I went to see Papaji twice and spent good long a good enough period of time with him and then i returned to london and uh, while in london uh, i started to sell incense as a way of making a living because i didn't really want to i didn't feel that some anything else was really suitable at this time and i was i started selling incense in the local market i gave up my teaching work because i did not feel for that anymore and i started to work on the street uh, in my town and uh, shortly after this, uh, I began to meet people. Um, what happened is that I, I was really making up these little small cards, uh, small strips of paper with sayings that I felt were very important, and, uh, and rolled them up uh, and put them into little snippets of drinking straws. And I, I called it thought for the day. And anybody could come and take one, whether we're buying incense or not. And it became quite popular with people to come and ask for a thought for the day. And uh, after a while, people started to come genuinely to ask uh, about their own spiritual life and seek advice and so on. And I found that uh, somehow it felt deeply familiar for me. And I started to just say what, uh, what I felt in my heart. And it, it has just continued like that. What do you think is the biggest reason why people don't say what's in their heart? Um, I feel one is that um, our culture generally, particularly in the West, does not encourage. Uh, because the, 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 the mind is the region where we often control, try to control our life. The heart is more the, 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 the region of, our, of ourself which we're we are not so much in control of. You cannot control your heart. You can feel your heart. You can experience its its depth and its its broadness. It's, it's from there also that emotions may come to the surface much more freely. And when you're in an environment where you are, where you feel a level of trust, you, you, so these 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 energies show themselves much more, um, much more um, openly. So we are not so much. Um, encouraged by our culture to show open openly our feelings or deeper feelings so much um, women have greater freedom it seems than, than, than men um, 
but uh, um, that's part of it. And also, um, we are not so much well. It's, it's linked anyway. We are not so encouraged. We don't have so many uh, until you become aware uh, of your inner being. Uh, when in in it, it, as you journey more inwardly you feel much more that your heart comes uh, comes becomes more open then all what i'm speaking becomes much more easy and natural for you but most people in the in the speed of their life these days uh, give give little little uh, uh, little attention to their inner inner life uh, which is really when they really do need it uh, very much so also it depends also if you trust the person with whom you're speaking enough to want to share the deeper feelings you have about life that is also significant you might know of anti demello do you know anti demello and anthony demello yeah yes 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 i i yeah, am he, I'm aware he's of a very him. nice quotation and he said that a nice definition of enlightenment is no longer marching to the drumbeat of society Yes. But dancing to the music that springs up from within. Yes. Do you think this is true? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I mean, uh, I'm not saying that society is just is just negative, but there's a lot of negativity, and in, um, in the sense that uh, a lot of energy is geared towards personal, just personal satisfaction, um, and uh, acquiring material things, and seeking a kind of security amongst. Uh, things which are more outer and um, and not so much recognizing our our inner wealth like, who tells us that we in, inwardly as we are we're wealthy and wealth in the form of peace and joy and patience and love and compassion and uh, and the wisdom and understanding and openness that these are real genuine aspects of wealth human wealth and not just a car or a house or you know lots of money and fame those are more outer things and they're very perishable and momentary but the inner wealth is uh, is uh, has more depth has more satisfaction more film fulfillment greater joy and happiness and it is a little bit surprising that we are not more attracted to discovering this more directly rather than going through things necessarily but in the end it is all fine because all rivers are heading towards the ocean thank you i know you spoke about papaji muji what do you think has been your greatest learning from him the greatest learning is to not identify with what just arises in your mind you know be aware of it be aware of that but also to be aware of yourself as the one that is observing all of this. And this is certainly possible. As we learn more to observe, rather than to drop into the reflex to simply identify and to judge, um, there's a great, uh, a great uh, opportunity to come to the recognition that we are not merely what we see or what we experience or what we feel. That there's an underlying reality that is pure and incorruptible, and the more you begin, uh, one of the beautiful doorways into this experience is to begin to observe without identifying. 
And that is one of the great pointings of Papaji. He also tells us just to really be quiet, to keep quiet, and don't go with the mind so quickly. You know, observe its 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 waves, but don't uh, don't get on board so easy. Stay behind as the as the witness, as the observer, and uh, and gradually you come to to recognize. Uh, uh, a center of great power and stillness within yourself, and you'll have a natural attraction, a natural affinity for that, a developing affinity for that uh, in internal power. So that, I, I felt, is um, one of his great teachings, and also he demonstrated that by his very life, you see. So when, uh, when, when someone tells you something, and their lives demonstrate it, it, it it is very difficult to refute it, you know, because he was the he was the the embodiment of that, of what he taught. And do you think it's this identification with the eye is creating a lot of the suffering we're experiencing? You see, the thing is that when you say "I," "I" is the most important word in any language and what it represents. And uh, as we look, it, you see that "I" is also very. Uh, it's it's it it can it can mean ego, it can mean the state of of presence, it can mean our godly self. So, when we say just I, it is important that we qualify what we mean by I. Very often, almost most most people, when they speak from the position and refer to themselves as I, uh, for the most part, we are we are we are calling I our body. And the conditioning that arose with that body, that is what we refer to as I. But uh, that is what I call ego. And it, what I mean by ego, it is not our true self. It is a constructed self. It is full of psychological mischief also. It is unstable. And it's always like a work in progress. It is always changing. So what uh, spirituality, if it means something, it means that uh, to go beyond the, the shallow facade of a mere person or calling yourself a person only, and look and you'll see that it is available to you to see from a deeper place wherein the sense of your person is also some kind of image or memory or construct arising in a greater field that is perceiving it. As soon as that begins to begin to come into that recognition, oh, such an expansiveness become you know just prevailing and uh, it's so beautiful it's one of the most important discoveries a human being can make where for so long we have been so identified merely by conditioning and reflex and habit and and instinct uh and uh, you know training and what i would call programming that to discover that you're able to just observe these energies or these movements without identifying with them, and that you lose nothing essential by not identifying with them. In fact, you discover an enormous power and presence and joy by simply observing without identifying or combining yourself with the things that you are perceiving. So I would put up learning to observe as one of the most crucial pointers and uh, and. Uh, Skill is greater than skill. It, 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 is, it is, I would say, uh, so profound a discovery 
that a human being can make that uh, it outshines almost every other kind of practice, in fact. It is so all-encompassing. And what is great about it is you can practice it right wherever you are. Begin practicing by practicing, practicing I mean, just uh, keeping quiet and observing the thoughts as they come without identifying. And in some mysterious way, uh, your powers of concentration begin to develop very, very, very naturally and spontaneously. And the outcome, the fruit of this exercise, these exercises, are really, they're really priceless, I would say. Say, for example, if somebody is experiencing doubt and anxiety in their lives, Muji, yes. how could they respond with peace to this? There's a place, you know, first of all, I would not be in a hurry to to destroy doubt and anxiety. First of all, in, in, in the exercise I've just pointed out, you would not just... The reason why people suffer these, these waves is because they immediately identify with them. And by identify with them, it is as though you, you draw them into your being. But if we look at them in a very sober way, like without trying to... Without rushing into the reflex to try and fight against them or to be distracted from them, but simply to allow them to be seen and felt, but in your but you hold back on your reaction, so you actually look at them. You have a chance to see them not as a blur, but uh, to to see them in focus. You will often come to recognize that they are nothing in themselves, and it's about nothing. Sometimes anxiety is arising just out of habit also, because as soon as a certain kind of feeling or thoughts or sensations come or memories, a reaction comes straight away. And some tendency to interpret these reactions or interpret these actions in a negative way is bought into. We buy into it so quickly. As you learn to observe and to be quiet, to be quiet and to observe them, we quickly come to see that they're actually very weak in themselves, very weak thoughts. They only become strong when we identify with them. Then, in a sense, you kind of you you flick the switch. You see, thoughts arising in consciousness or in your mind, I don't call that thinking. I call thinking when the thoughts arise and you get contact with it and start to believe in it and start to roll with it then the process of thinking comes. And doubts is an aspect of you know some kind of conceptual uh, engagement that you're thinking about something and you know you, you, there's a lack of faith or, or trust or something, so doubts will come. Anxiety is there because really we get stuck in our life and uh, it seems not to be flowing, so we become anxious, you see. And these are states that come because somehow... We, we don't feel centered in our being. And if you're not centered in your being, you're going to be easily uh, destabilized. You're easily be swept away when these currents of or these waves of negativity come, uh, rather than just witnessing them and observing their ephemerality, you can say, or their momentariness, um, and then giving no further power to them. If you simply just identify and give power to them, it will energize and magnify the thing from what it was in the beginning, which is something very superficial. And then it starts to seem like it's something so like an emergency in your mind. 
So this observation again is very important. When you observe, then peace will show its face again. If you don't react and jump into the storm, you'll find that peace is there. Peace is underlying everything. And a quiet joy is there also. You see? So it's not that you need to fight against um, these waves of doubt. Sometimes doubt is there for a reason. Sometimes even good reason. There's a time to doubt. But uh, uh, um, habitual doubt, um, that is not good. Because it creates a kind of like a negativity inside the being and, uh, and stop you from moving with trust in life. And if you cannot move with an openness and a trust towards life, then somehow you will be filled with anxiety very often, you see. Yeah. They say it, to wake up is to let go of everything that's keeping us asleep. Do you think this is true? It's, it, it sounds nice, but it's impossible to do um, until you begin to discover that you are not the person you take yourself to be. That is the most fundamental discovery. Because to let go of things that we are habituated to and and that we have been grown up with certain kind of addictions in some way, and not necessarily narcotic addictions, I'm talking about addictions to personality and the personal identity, that's a kind of addiction also. Um, it, 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 to let go of everything, we may try and we may feel some momentary sense of lightness or lightening up. But the mind closes back in again. You see? Uh, what I would say, it is important to at least be open to hearing what people like myself are, are saying, that you are not what you think you are. You're not what you've been conditioned to believe you are. You're not merely your body. The body is fine. The body is very important part of this. Even this self-discovery, the body is very important. The senses are important. The mind is also important. Um, but you are not merely that. They are very, very inadequate representations of what you truly are. You are behind all of this. You are that which witnesses the body and its senses and the mind and its traffic and all of that. And in the beginning, there is some seemingly a kind of deep uh, suspicion or fear to even hear this. For some people, for others, it's very liberating. And they just want to say, please, bring me deeper. Let me come more deeper into that understanding. Because I've always suspected that, you know, my mind, I cannot trust my mind. And when people speak about their lives, they're talking about their lives as it is portrayed in their mind. But your life is infinitely greater than that. And so, to just to say, to drop everything, it, it, we, nobody has been able to do that. Understanding is important. As you begin to understand and you receive good guidance and continued support uh, by an authentic uh, uh, master or teacher um, uh, or a good friend who has gone further beyond or something, then you can begin to build inside of that. Not that you build, you just begin to somehow evolve much more quickly. But this you know, one one stroke and everything is done. It's not like buying something over the counter that you pay the full cost and you get the full thing. It's not like that. If you are, if if anything, uh, the purchasing is your sense, your attitude in your heart that I'm really 
this is so important for me for, for my existence that I'm willing to to just turn my full attention towards this self-discovery. Now that is the beginning, and also if your if your urge inside is genuine, life, believe it or not, will arrange a meeting for you with someone who can guide you further uh, into this understanding and this um, the depth of this uh, profound awakening. You see, so as I said before, just saying to people just drop things or that the world is just a dream and it's not real it's not enough because our minds just take that and turn it into just sort of like porridge basically uh, i feel that uh, we need uh, to first of all there must be some curiosity and if you meet and if you're in a very good supportive spiritual environment your curiosity will be will begin to develop into real interest and an attraction and that attraction will develop even further to be, you know, really sort of like um, uh, an urgency to, to 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 find this. It is this kind of attitude that produces the most beautiful fruit, you see. But it cannot just be that we casually discover how to become better in our lives. I feel that uh, your life is worth it. Your life is worth your full attention. Your freedom is worth your full attention. To get the best out of what is possible for a human being, it is worth your full attention. It doesn't mean that you cannot do anything else. In fact, the more you discover who you are, the more multitasking you can do, in fact. It is when we sing, we live with limited ideas about ourselves that we suffer from our own uh, self-imagined limitations. But as you discover the broadness, the spontaneity, the, the immensity of being, then you find that, wait a minute, you're not easily overcome by things, you're not depressed or get tired so easily and stuff. In fact, it is very invigorating uh, in, on, on so many levels, you see. And would you, do you think that one of our fundamental purposes in life is to know who we are? It is, in my view, it is the highest attainment in the human kingdom to discover ourselves because if you don't know who you are then you're living in in, in 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 a false idea of who you are and so if you are false everything you are dealing with all your ideas are going to be false i mean what can be more catastrophic than that it is important i feel but yet at the same time it is not desperate that people people don't desperately want to know who they are uh, for a, for a while our our goals in life may not be to awaken to the truth. We may not even be aware that there's such a thing. Maybe our goals in life uh, is to, you know, be self-sufficient or to have your own business or to, to get married or to become famous or to become a great musician or something like that. And that is just uh, normal within our, our present uh, universal paradigms allow us to think within the, the scope of, the, of those presentations. But uh, something, in spite of our lack of motivation, some power brings us gradually because all journeys are towards self-realization. We may, It's just a question of when you begin to become conscious of it because everyone is seeking to be happy. Everyone is seeking to find some peace. Everyone would love to have such a good life that they want to live forever. And the only way you can live forever is not just in this body only, 
but in your inmost being. That's where you, that's what is referred to as what is eternal. There's nothing on your body you can touch and say that is eternal, on your physical body. No part of it is eternal. Nothing. No organ is eternal. Okay? And as for your mind, it is not steady enough to take a second look and stay the same. It is always changing. So this only, if there is something called eternal, it has to be that which is beyond name and form. And as someone begins to make that discovery more deeply into the nature of themselves, they go beyond the limitations of name and form. Our egoic mind is very afraid of this because it's so attached to the senses and sense objects and to its own private mythology and philosophy and ideologies that it always has to hold on to something to, to be grounded by some concept or some form. But your real being is, is it's infinite. I find myself saying, I don't know who your listeners are. God bless them. I don't know who they are. And maybe what I'm saying right now may not appeal to them. I don't know. But something deep inside them, if they're on a search for growth, for a better life, then the, the deeper seeds of what I am speaking will touch their life in some way. They may not on the surface understand that. They may say, I don't understand anything that, that Muji guy has been talking about. But nevertheless, it, it will seep in somewhere inside the consciousness. And if you don't just listen just only to my words, if you cannot understand my words, it is okay. But listen inwardly and feel the vibration of what I'm speaking. You probably feel, yes, there is something there. I don't understand it. But this is also a great facilitator to your future discoveries or your, your eminent discoveries that will take you more deeply into the, the nature of truth. And what do you think is God's role in helping us to realize this truth? God's role is to show you that you are not different from God in your essential being. While we are engaged with the notions of ourselves that we are merely the body and the mind, we will not find what I'm saying appealing. It will seem that you are living in a very tangible world and that you have to plan your future and you have to hold on to your dreams and you have to try and fulfill them only. And that's all that life is, the evidence of your senses and the fact that you are conscious of your mind. That's it. But as we discover more authentically, and we don't stop at the first, uh, the first few small victories, but you keep being pulled more deeply in, you will discover that your inmost being is one with God. And that is the most profound uh, discovering, because, well, they say only he who feels it knows it. When you experience, you'll know it. But people say, well, how do I know I can trust this? Uh, well, how do you know you can trust anything in life? How do you know you can trust anything in life? You go out with a date on someone, you don't know anything about them. How do you know you can trust? Because life is trust. And uh, the greatest trust is a trust that is not interfered with by your mind. The trust that a child has, kind of like an openness, an innocence. And there's an innocence in us, and it, is, it never perishes. It might get hidden 
it might get con concealed in some way, eclipsed by our by our um, conditioning and uh, culture, um, personal programming or whatever. But it is never destroyed. And so all this will begin to reawaken or to reveal themselves as you go more deeply. But it's not going to be paid pennies over the counter for it. It's not anything that human power can just buy. It must come with a genuine urge that arises in your heart that you would like to. Sometimes it's not pleasant. Sometimes it's out of great pain that such an urge arises in the human life to search for, you know, to come out of pain. You see, so God is there in every twist, every turn. It's just a quite God has always been here. God alone really is here, but it's only when we develop the eyes and the heart to perceive God that you come to know that God is. Uh, eternally present, and the best place to find Him is inside your own heart first. When you find Him inside your heart, to God, I'm not talking about God as a person now. And when I say Him, I don't mean a male person or father in that way. Spiritual father, spiritual mother, doesn't matter. Or you may call it pure consciousness. It is the same. And uh, that is another thing that uh, is happening, that as you become more mature spiritually, you find that you don't fit into any category particularly. You can understand the, the, the varying parts of, uh, of, uh, of the expression of, of God's love. You can find it in many ways the same. And so you can call it God, you can call it consciousness, you can call it the great void, you can call it whatever. But uh, what it is, um, it is really beyond even the names we call, we call it. And that is what, that's where we came from. We meaning the expressed God, but uh, the the essential God, the essential truth, is not something that you can you can manipulate. It is always perfect, and because it is always perfect, it cannot grow. It can only be discovered. Whatever can grow is not perfect. Muji, what is our true self? Whatever you can see or perceive through your mind. Whatever you can see or perceive or imagine through your mind, that is not you. That is not your essence. Everything that you can perceive belongs to time and change. That which is unchanging, that which is eternal, and yet does not, cannot be measured by form or by name or by time. And that deep intuition within you that makes you know that you exist. That is God. That which enables you to contemplate, to think, to remember. That gives the power to generate your life every day. You don't have to walk in and plug yourself in like some some battery or get topped up with. You you are this this life that generates the life itself, the source of the life itself, and the power to contemplate, to meditate. To discover that power comes from God. But God you cannot see beyond form. He has no distance. He's not like he's so far away you can't see him. He's too, he's too, he's too, he's too, he's closer than intimacy. That's why you cannot see. You can only be, you can only realize 
that that is what's underneath your life. That's what's giving your life expression. Like you can feel the sun, but you cannot touch the sun. In the same way, you can feel the presence of God, but you cannot touch it. Not because it's far away, but because you, the one who want to touch it, is itself perceived in it. It is you more than you. Muji, what are your thoughts on mental illness? Mental, mental illness is not just one kind of thing, but I would have to say like everything else, it is also a manifestation of consciousness, because um, there, are, there are aspects of mental illness which is deeply on, on the path to spiritual evolution also. Sometimes mental illness comes uh, like some people experience like a breakdown, because the way that they were using their minds was too taxing, too, too, too distorted, too, too much. And so they had to blow a fuse. And so something had to, had to deconstruct. And then now it has to somehow reform itself in a new expression. So sometimes depression, as it is interpreted in our society, is given a very, very negative uh, name. But I say all these things are stages rather than, than, than fixed states. Every human being experiences uh, a movement of states. You're on the way back to yourself. And it doesn't always look pretty. Sometimes as someone who may have a, a reason why it is such a, a what I would call um, a taboo in our culture is because it's the thing we are most afraid of. Because madness represents for most people um, an absence of self-control. And we want to control. But to over-control is a kind of madness. And it's a worse madness because we all respect it. The madness that people experience, nobody is mad all the time. Madness like any other state or any sort of mental state or something like this, they're not always the same. They, they, they vary. Sometimes they're more intense in their expression. Sometimes not at all. Sometimes the individual might be quite normal and even more so in touch with life at an authentic level than the, than the man who is always thinking and strategizing his existence. So mental illness, it varies. Uh, it varies uh, very much according to um, the... Well, I don't want to say according to it, because the according to can be so vast. But uh, I, what, if there's something important or significant I can share about it, is that it is not our final state. Nobody's mad forever. Nobody's mentally uh, unstable forever. It is also an opportunity for spiritual growth and for introspection. Sometimes it comes out of a deep dissatisfaction with life as it is presently portrayed. Sometimes it's, it, it comes out of a deep, uh, a deep distaste for what has been presented as our options and something knows it's much deeper. And a deep frustration comes just to, uh, to cast off all of this. And so you become a kind of misfit in the mind of the greater culture, you may say. But in God's eyes, all are, all are his children. There are even some teachers, some liberated beings, who went through states of intense madness and, and uh, emotional uh, uh, ordeals and, uh, and went through deep states of depression and mental illness for a while. And they had to, it kind of purged their minds of the old life. And they came out luminous, in fact. You see? 
So it 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 if I if anyone feels that they're suffering from some mental illness, it's not the end of the world. Sometimes you are being blessed. Don't listen to what doctors say, please. Yes, don't give them the last word. There are many ways in which what what the, our experiences can be interpreted and viewed. Don't give so-called professionals the last word. I am not I am not disrespecting them. They have their role to play too. They are part of the great play too. But then to give them the final word is to write yourself a death sentence for many people. Please don't do that. Be open because what is what is impossible with man is possible with God. This is a scripture that I remember from a child. And that really liberates the heart from feeling closed in. Never let someone tell you, you are never going to be able to do this. Don't accept from someone, there's nothing you can do about this. Okay? Um, if you have the urge inside, you can keep it open. You don't have to. Um, but don't close yourself off. There is a time also to accept. You know, I don't need to go further with this. It's enough of this. We have the power to do that also. But to, to drink in other people's assessment of you, especially to the negative, I think is very unhealthy. Your life is much vaster than that. Your, your life has got much more mystery than that. Much more, much more miracles than that is possible in your life. Do you think that if we all became conscious in the world that many of the problems in the society we're living in would go? Um, I think the way that we perceive or conceive of problems will go. Because some things in the world we presently perceive as problems are not problems. But the way in which we look at them will go. And so, of course, some things which are obvious, obviously perversions of life and so on, that will go, of course. Uh, there's a saying that uh, from my master's master: all things, all things that is good manifest spontaneously in the awakened mind. Meaning that we don't even have to develop that because we are inherently good. What has to happen is that we need to discover our real source self, and that goodness will manifest. So yes, you are right. If people became much more conscious of who we are, not just conscious about life, you have to start with yourself. Conscious of your who you are and your role in this life, it will immediately improve. Not just you, your environment is improved. People around you are inspired just in the same way that if you're in company that are negative-orientated, you don't feel comfortable. If you're in company that is more spiritually uplifted, you will feel uplifted. So, you know, uh, look at the, the impact of, say, what, say, someone like a Hitler or a Mussolini or a Idi Amin has done. It is, people remember that. It's terrible. They don't want it again. But look at the impact of what a Christ or a Buddha has had, also one person. And that even years and years and years, hundreds of years, thousands of years, even for some cases, after the, those beings left their bodies, they are having new disciples now. <coughs> Who wants to be a Hitler now? Who wants to be a Mussolini now? Nobody. They want to forget about them. So the, the, whatever a human being has, has evolved to in the most pure way, others want to emulate them. 
Of course, there are people who want to emulate negativity as well too. But it is not true to the human spirit. And at some point, those people will be begging to be delivered from their own mistakes. But no one has awakened to the truth and regretted it. Not I've not heard of anyone in the whole of the history of mankind for whom that's happened to. Or on the contrary, people who have done terrible things almost always regret it. They regret it. They really are ashamed of it. So this is the this is the the indication sufficient to say that if you do good in life, if you discover your true self, the effects uh, of that of its of its um, influence goes a very long way. And of course, what you do that is good within your heart is good for your society, is good for our culture, is good for the world, of course. How come so many of us can forget that this is the way? I feel that all the beings who came into life, um, they came into life to play a role, and not just to play a role, but to learn through that role also. And it's like, uh, I see it as a very, very grand role to come here and to be to be given bodies that has the capacity, the sensitivity to sense the universe and the world that the body is placed in, the senses and the capacity to think, to imagine, to dream, to project, to understand, to fantasize, to grow, to learn, to discern, to contemplate, to meditate. All these powers, all this facility we have. We only have to learn to use them well. For a while with these bodies, we want to live as though we are a body, enjoy only from the bodily level, mostly. And we bring the mind in service to try and get our physical needs and our mental needs and our mental, and to fulfill our mental fantasies and emotional fantasies. But that's just living on the surface of our being. As we go in more, more deeply, we begin to discover that we have greater powers undiscovered till now. And as you become much more aware of them, these are not powers to control people. This rather is the power to set them free, to guide them to light. But first, you must find that light yourself. You see? So, it's why the proportions are such that it seems as though there are so few awakened beings on the planet at time, and there are billions of unawakened beings, and I cannot tell you. It may be because uh, we are so much... Uh, identified with our bodies we are so much full of ego and the ego does not have really an aspiration to discover its origin it wants to discover other things outer things things that are bound by time that is the attraction and we have a sense of choice to choose the ego's way in some way or to somehow to choose uh, to be inside the heart it is not even really a pure and fair choice in some way. And that's why I say it's a play. Because we are compelled to identify with the body. Nobody has ever told us not to identify with the body until it's either too late or feels like it's too late. But always uh, there's a way out of this, of this. I can't tell the full story. I don't know if anyone can tell the full story. I don't even know if there is a story. I can only say that we are blessed with a consciousness that's able to discern between what feels 
intuitively wrong for us and what feels intuitively right for us. And that we're not always right about that. We have to grow through maturity to become more truthful in it. So um, your question is a, you know, it is an, it is an ancient question. It is a profound question, but I don't know if we can fully answer why so few awakened beings? Why doesn't more of us wake up? What is important is that all of us are the self, are the pure self. And in various lengths of journeys towards that original remembrance and self-discovery. And that in each form that the consciousness um, embodies itself, in whatever circumstances it, go, it, it is in, it seems comfortable, reasonably comfortable in its skin for a while. And even whether your role is good or bad, you are still here. Uh, your role has something to do with the full, with the bigger picture somehow. For me, that is not enough. It's not enough. Uh, in my heart, I would say, something has happened whereby. Um, it is not enough to have a body and to to have good food and health and friends. It is not enough. Once upon a time, it seemed it was enough. But as I, by the grace of God, it became not enough. I did not realize it was not enough until some power made me realize it is not enough. He touched me from inside. I say, kissed me from inside my being. And then realize, I realized what I had been missing all my life, what I had been searching for, but could not recognize with just my human um, arrogance. So because of this, I became a, awake to a deeper reality within myself, and I see that that deeper reality it lies within every living being. And that if there's a role, it seems to be that as long as I'm in this body, uh, uh, let it be so that the consciousness or God uses this as a as a as an instrument for helping others to see the beauty of the Lord that is sitting inside their heart. That is what I would um, continue to wish for. When you pass from this world, Muji, what would you like people to say about you? I would more not so much want them to say about me but what I would want them to learn from me. Because what they say about me is not important, but what they've learned from me is very important. And if what I want them to learn is that, or discovered through me, is to discover the imperishable within themselves. If they learn this, then my heart is satisfied completely because that's what I have discovered and if there's anything I have that I can share it would be that so if I feel that beings continue to and why should they not continue in fact continue to make this discovery to trust it to open up um, to um, the, 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 the true possibilities for self-discovery in this lifetime, then I would be happy. What they want to say about me, I don't mind about what they say. I hope it's not something untruthful, 
Of course, I wouldn't like that people come to believe something just untruthful, you may say, because that would mar, that will, that would, that would uh, rob them of what I really came here. I feel, or what my life really is in service of. And that is, I feel, the life will be in service of their life, in its truest expression, in its truest opportunity. Muji, if you were to be reincarnated as an animal coming back into this world, which animal would you choose? <laughs> Man. He's animal enough. He's the one in whose uh, in whose ability stands the greatest chance to wake up. I will come back as the animal called man. I know you were in Ireland about ten years ago. Would you consider coming back to Ireland again? I love the Irish. I find them they are so warm and so genuine. They were my the Irish people were my first escorts and uh, hosts. Um, they were the first that began to, to train me, to give me the experience of being with people, because I did not know how to be with people in this way. And I was uh, slowly learning through them. Because the light was inside my heart, but I did not know how to, how to let it out. And so I began somehow, with their grace and their love, to, to find a way of, of expressing that light which has continued to grow more and more as time went on. But it started in the Irish bosom. I will come back. Muji, finally, if somebody wanted to find out more about your work or even the books you've written, how could they do it? We, we do have a website, and the website is um, www.mooji.org. If if they start there, then they will have access to many many things. Also, lots of YouTube's. You can go to any YouTube. If you put Muji G M O O J I J I, or even just Muji, it will give you. It you will enter into a domain that has a lot of videos. We have a lot of videos, and uh, of varying kinds. Uh, also, there's guided meditations and stuff like that, and. So and so, so that can be that can be a very good asset. There's also so one called Muji.tv as well too that you can uh, they can log into. Yes. Thanks so much for your time, Muji. I really enjoyed it. You did. I thank yeah. th thank you, Michal, because you know each time we I have a, a a conversation or interview like this, something new, a new aspect comes out, which I'm not conscious. I'm not thinking about them, but it's like the relationship or the connection that happens during this time brings out another facet of something. And I, I, I hear it with my own ears as it comes out, because, as I said before, I never come to an interview already planned what I'm going to say. I discover uh, the interviewer and the interviewee also in the interview. So thank you for the opportunity to speak with your listeners, and I hope they derive some, some, something from it. And, uh, and, and I would like to just say to every blessing for your show and uh, your your program, uh, the Health Zone, and uh, and all who uh, follow your uh, follow it daily or whatever, however often you put it on. So thank you for the chance to come on and talk with you. You're very welcome. Thank you too. Very good. Okay. Have a nice yeah. day.
Same to you, Muju. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to another inspiring and thought-provoking show of The Health Zone. I'm Mihal Mahuna. Just to remind you, you can find us on facebook.com forward slash The Health Zone Show or you can join our Facebook group, The Health Owners. We're also on Twitter, Instagram and pin interest under The Health Zone. To gain further invaluable resources on health and well-being, go to our website www.thehealthzoneshow.com thehealthzoneshow.com When you're on there, join The Health Zone and you'll receive a free copy of my latest ebook, 7 Ways to Boost Your Overall Well-Being. Finally, I would love to hear any feedback you may have on the show and even if there are any particular guests or topics which you're interested in, please email me on tunein at thehealthzoneshow.com Until next time, this is Michal. Thanks for listening and I wish you a very healthy, happy and authentic week. Baby, no way.